0: You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Let's open our Bibles tonight to Matthew 28. Matthew 28, and I want to read verses eighteen through twenty. And I know you say, "Man, Pastor Rutman, this is a very familiar passage of Scripture," and it is. Uh, but I'm preaching with the baptism, and it's our first baptism for Falls International via Eastside Baptist Statement. And uh, so, so whenever I baptize folks um, uh, there at the other churches we've we've started, uh, I try to preach on baptism or talk about baptism a little before. So I'd like to preach tonight on the doctrine of baptism. And honestly, I'll probably do a little more teaching. Then I do preaching tonight. And so just follow along with me. Uh, I'll try to answer some questions. Some of you may have. Some of you understand this doctrine very thoroughly. And it's good to just call these things back up uh, by way of remembrance and to help us remember what we believe and why we believe it. And for others, it may be the first time you've heard some of these things uh, and and really understand what biblical baptism is. So, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, we're going to take our text. The Bible said, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore. Now, we call this passage of Scripture the Great Commission. And I say this to the members of Falls International, Those, that, you know, the, and, and I've been trying to talk to them about the Great Commission uh, because we're having our first mission Sunday uh, later on this month. But this is the Great Commission or the Great Command. And so there's three points here that are given in this Great Commission. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. That's the first point. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. That's the second point. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. That's the third point. That's the responsibility of the pastor of the church to teach all things that God's written in his Bible not just the fundamentals of the faith, not just the cardinal doctrines, but all things whatsoever I've commanded. And, lo, I am with you always. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. Uh, Even unto the end of the world, and we're not there yet, so he's still with us, and he said amen. And so let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer, and we'll preach this very basic, simple message this evening. Lord, I pray now that you would just touch me as I teach. Lord, I'm just, I'm just the human instrument. I'm just the man, uh, Lord, that's taking the word of God and opening it. But it takes, Lord, thy spirit to work through us, and we recognize that. Lord, uh, you said in John 15, without me, ye can do nothing. And so we need the divine teacher to work and move uh, and teach us from thy word tonight. And, uh, Lord, I pray that you would do that. Help us to be very receptive and open to learn these truths so that we can give an answer to others of these doctrines that you've given us in your word, that we can teach others also, so we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So the Lord give us in the text what we call the Great Commission, and really the Great Commission is the last command. Some have even called it the last will and testament of Jesus Christ. You know, when someone passes away or dies, sometimes if the family has an opportunity, they'll gather around uh, the, the, you know, the patriarch of the family or the matriarch of the family, and there'll be some last words and maybe some last instructions and make me this promise and don't forget to do this, and we look at that and say it's important, and then sometimes the person will leave behind the last will and testament, and it's all legally taken care of so that whatever they re- uh, uh, whatever they had written down there. Uh, it's, it's, it's legal, I mean, it's the law. I mean, that's how the inheritance has to be distributed, what they have, and there's what has to be done. And so our Lord, He's coming to the place where He's going to ascend back to heaven. And it's recorded in Matthew 28. It's recorded in Mark 16, verse 15. He said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And He goes on with it as you read through. In Luke chapter number, I believe it's 22 or 23 or 24. It's in there somewhere. I probably got it in my notes here. Uh, Luke, let me see if I can find it here. Luke 24, verse 47, uh, the Lord gives it again. And and, and Luke recorded it by saying these words and that repentance and remission of all sins should be preached among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And then you come to the book of Acts 1, and it's repeated again in Acts 1. Luke again is recording in the book of Acts, and Luke says there that Jesus said, um, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And so we see at least four times some would say it's recorded in John as well, and I see where they're saying, I'm not sure if it's the same instance, uh, but we see at least four clear instances of the Great Commission being given and these three points being laid out. And so the Great Commission, as we mentioned, it's threefold. Let me just go over that by the way of introduction real quickly. So number one, he said, go ye therefore and teach all nations. So, so I mean, that's missions, that's taking the gospel to places that it has not been. That's near and dear to my heart, and that's near and dear to your heart. It's not just the missionary that's on the foreign field. We say, well, that's the man that is fulfilling the Great Commission. If you're praying for the missionary, if you're sending the missionary, if you're supporting the missionary, that's your heart as well, amen? Where man's heart is, that's where his treasure is. And when you put that check in and support those missionaries around the world, you're saying, that's where my treasure is. That's where my heart is. And so this is definitely a missions-hearted church church. I'm being honest, if it wasn't, I don't know that I'd be a part of it. Amen. Uh, God loves missions. I'm going to tell you how much God loves missions. God loves missions so much that he had one son, and he made him a missionary. He sent his son from heaven to this earth to reach the world with the gospel. Somebody said, prove missions out of Genesis 1-1. A preacher friend of mine, older gentleman, 76 years old, he said, I, God loves a so, mission so much, it's in his name. The first two letters of his name is G O. Go. Amen. And uh, uh, The point is that God wants us to go. God wants us to go out and reach, whether it's our neighbor, whether it's the other side of town, whether it's the other side of the county, the other side of the country, the other side of the world. God wants us reaching the world, but we're not just going to go. We're not just going, and I thank God for medical missions, but we're not just going to give medical supplies, right? We're not just going to feed people, and I'm all for that. Amen? Feeding people, giving them medical supplies, uh, putting wells in, those give us good opportunities to preach the gospel, but the ultimate objective is to get the gospel of Jesus Christ to sinners. If people have been fed, and if people have been given medical needs uh, you know, and, 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 and given cures for diseases and have been given water where they had no water, that's good. But if they die without Christ, they still go to hell for eternity. And so while we use all these things as a means to get into a place to get the gospel out, the greatest objective of the church is to go and preach the gospel. That's our mandate. However we get about to it is fine, but that's our mandate, preach the gospel. Amen. And that's what we do. Well, the Lord assumed that people would get saved when we did that. You say, how do you know he assumed that? Because he told us what to do with them after they get saved. He said, teach all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and then he said, baptizing them. Well, we can't baptize them if they don't get saved. They have to believe the gospel in order to be baptized, so he said, baptizing them, and notice, please notice, because baptism, and I'm going to preach about it in just a minute, but it's important. Bapti- I mean, we, we, have, we have Baptist forefathers that died because they followed the scriptural mode of baptism. This isn't, this isn't, well, it really doesn't matter what you believe. It does matter what we believe on this. There's a reason we don't baptize infants. There's a reason we don't sprinkle. There's a reason we don't dip and dab and all that kind of stuff. There's a reason we baptize by immersion. And there's a reason that we use the words that we do when we baptize. We baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. You say, why? Because Jesus told us to do that. So we just do it how he told us. I mean, it's his church, so he gets to tell us how to run his church. Amen. And he said, this is how I want you to do it. Baptize them in the name. And by the way, if I can just throw this in there, and I'm trying not to preach. I'm trying just to teach, all right? But if I could just throw this in there, notice he didn't say, in the names of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Because he's teaching us, even in the Great Commission, that God is one and he's a trinity. He said, in the name of singular the name of the father the son the holy ghost one person manifesting himself in three persons god the father god the son and god the holy ghost and so we baptize them you'll find at jesus baptism all three were present jesus is the son of god he's being baptized the spirit of god descends on him like a dove that's the spirit of god and the father from heaven said this is my beloved son in whom i am well pleased amen and so we see the trinity there in the baptism and so that's the second part of the great commission go ye preach the gospel, teach all nations, and then when they get saved, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And then, and by the way, we see that practice in Acts 2.41, and we'll come back to that later in the message, in Acts 8.36, in Acts 16.33. We find constantly when people get uh, saved in the New Testament, then they follow with baptism. Then number three, once a person is saved and baptized, listen closely, because maybe you've been saved and maybe you've been baptized, but you've never united in the membership of a local New Testament church. Guess what? You're here tonight. You're already coming. If you're saved and baptized scripturally, now would be a good night to unite with the membership of the Eastside Baptist Church. Amen. You say, where do you see that in the scripture? He said, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever whatsoever. I have commanded you. So when a person gets saved, he gets baptized, then it was understood that those that led him to the Lord, those that baptized him, they would teach, they would bring them into a time and a place where they would teach the word of God. And we see that in Acts chapter 2. The Bible said, Then they that gladly received the word, that means they accepted the gospel, they got saved. They were baptized, that's the second part, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. They were added to the church, and then God said that the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. So that's God's order. Salvation, if you're here and not saved, Can can I beg you tonight, don't walk out of here lost without God. I preached this afternoon on judgment to come. And as sure as you're here tonight, if you walk out of here lost, I'm telling you, you're only going to take a chance with your soul one too many times. And I'm telling you, one day judgment's going to come. If you're here and not saved, you need to get saved. If you're here and saved, that's good. You're going to heaven. Praise the Lord. I mean, if you're saved... You're eternally saved. Heaven's as good as yours. You've already been seen in heaven. You say, I was? Yes, the Bible said that we're seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. John, when he wrote the book of Revelation, John already saw us praising God in Revelation on the other side. So we're just... We're there in Christ, waiting on our bodies to catch up with us, amen. Go chew on that for a while, amen. That'll blow your brain, amen. That's why the Bible said, then we also, well, I don't want to get into all that. But man, we've already, according to Romans 8, as far as God's concerned, we're already glorified. We're already on the other side as far as God's concerned, amen. That's how much I'm confident I'm going to heaven, amen, because I've already been seen there, amen. I know I'm going there, I'm saved. That's wonderful, but you're still on this earth, so God said you need to get baptized. If you're here and you've never been baptized, saved but not baptized Man, get that taken care of. We're going to learn in just a minute that's the first step of obedience to following the Lord once you get saved is to get baptized. And then if you're saved and baptized, not part of a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching New Testament church, you're in one tonight. Amen. I say join on up tonight. I think the church would have you if you're saved and baptized. Amen. And so let's go ahead and look tonight uh, real quickly at the doctrine of baptism. Number one, baptism is the first step of obedience to the Lord after salvation, period. Now, lots of churches have lots of, I'm talking about Baptist churches, have lots of philosophies about this. One Baptist church says the moment they say amen, when they're done asking the Lord to save them, they get them in the baptistry. Another Baptist church says, we're going we're gonna to watch you for about two years and make sure that you live for God and make sure it was real, and then we'll baptize you. But what does the scripture say? Here's what the scripture says. Now, we just want to do things in a New Testament way. God said, when they get saved, get baptized. That's the order. You don't wait 2 years to pr- listen, the burden of proof is on the responsibility of the one who said he accepted Christ. Amen. It's not, the burden of proof is not on the pastor or the soul winner or the church to prove if someone's saved. We, when, when, when a man says he wants to get saved and he, evidences, he seems to evidence that he really means business and he wants to get saved, what's going on in his hearts between him and God? If he gets saved, wonderful. If there's something he's holding out on you and I don't know about, God knows about it, but we don't have to worry about that. That's between him and God. The same Holy Ghost that brought you to salvation can bring him to salvation if he really didn't get it. Amen. But the scriptural order is baptism baptize them. I mean, that's what he said in Acts. That's what the New Testament church, they, they received his word, they were baptized. The Philippian jailer in Acts 16, his whole family gets saved, baptized the same night. Ethiopian eunuch. His, I mean, here's a man that's a proselyte to the uh, Judaism. He's in at Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. He's leaving and somewhere he got a copy of the book of Isaiah and he's going down the road in his chariot, opening his scroll and reading along, and God sends Philip out there to the desert and says, Join yourself to him. And he gets out there and he says, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, I can't understand it unless somebody guides me. And so he takes up the same scripture and he preaches unto him, Jesus. Amen. And the man gets saved. You say, How do you know it? He said, What doth hinder me to be baptized? Man, this guy wants to get baptized. He's like, man, I want to be a follower of Christ. I want to get baptized. What's going to keep me from getting baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may, but you got to get saved first. Amen. The man got saved. Philip didn't say, well, we're going to wait on two years to see if you're real. Then I'll come visit you over in Ethiopia. And if you're real, you have all the fruits, all the evidence. No, he baptized him. It's the first step of obedience. We must be careful not to expect people to obey in 20 other areas before they obeyed the very first command that God gave them. The first command is to be baptized. It is is very clear. The the Great Commission, I I want to emphasize that. This is not Jesus saying, if you all think it's a good idea, go teach all nations. And if they get saved, if you think it's a good idea, go ahead and baptize them. He said, go ye into all the world, preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. That's the order that God gave, and that's the order every time that the New Testament church followed. So it's the first step of obedience. Now, why is it the first step of obedience? I, I, believe, I believe that can be answered in 1 Corinthians 6. If you'll turn there real quickly to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. The moment that a man or a woman, a boy or a girl gets saved, you come under new ownership. I mean, before I got saved, I, I served sin and I served self. and Whether overtly or covertly, maybe even ignorantly for most people, we were serving Satan. Sin, self, and Satan. That's who owned us. That's who had control of us. The Bible said in Romans 6, whose servants ye are, to uh, to whom ye obey his servants ye are, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. And so you and I, if I could say it this way, we were slaves to our sin nature before we got saved. But when we got saved, we were bought by the blood of Christ. Man, that's good. That's good. That's important. We were bought by the blood of Christ. So 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, verse 19, the Bible says here, I have to catch up to myself now, right? 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? When you got saved, listen, when I got saved, I didn't belong to James Drummond anymore. Judy, when you got saved, you don't belong to Judy anymore, Amen. Brother Dana Meyer, when you got saved, you don't belong to Dana Meyer anymore. Amen. You say, Who do I belong to? He said, For you're bought with a price. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. I was bought with the blood of Jesus. I'm his. Hallelujah. And I might quickly say there, He is mine. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. And I thank God for that. So because He bought me with a price, then He gets to tell me what to do. That's what the Christian life's all about. It's about following Christ. You're either saved or not, you're a Christian or not, you're following Christ or not. If you follow Christ, you start with getting baptized. Why? Because that's the first thing he told you to do when you follow him. Amen. You say, I don't understand it. You may not understand it. and We want to teach you about baptism tonight. But you just obey when he tells you to obey. So we used to be servants of sin, but now we're servants to the Lord. Turn quickly to Romans 6. Romans 6. And I promise you, I'm trying not to take too much time here this evening. But Romans chapter number 6. I want you to see these truths. These are exciting truths to me. Romans chapter number 6. You know how the chapter starts here in Romans 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And he has that great conversation there. But as we come down into Romans 6, he says here uh, in Romans chapter number 6, verse number uh, 3, know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And so as we come down to verse 11, I'm going to look at these verses in a little more detail later on, but skip down to verse 11. I'm talking about the fact that I belong to Christ now. I do not belong to myself anymore. He said, likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin. There's an implied you. You, the reader, the one who's reading this, the one who's listening to this be read. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Why? That's what you used to do. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. Why, that's what you used to do, but you're saved now. Yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. And you could read all the way down to verse number 19. He, he, that theme carries through. You're no longer unsaved. You're no longer living for self. You're now saved, and you need to obey that form of doctrine which was delivered you. You need to follow after obedience and righteousness because you belong to the Lord. I'm just telling you tonight that starts with baptism. That's the first step you take in following the Lord Jesus Christ after you're saved. And again, I've already given the instances, but we see that in Acts 2.41, 8.36, 16.33. It's always a red flag. It it just is. For a preacher or soul winner, when you lead someone to the Lord, and then you begin talking about baptism, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, I don't want to get baptized. I don't want to come to church. It's a red flag. You wonder, did they really get it? Did they get it? Because once you get saved, you've chosen Man, can I say it this way? Getting saved is not just about a fire escape from hell and a free ticket to heaven. Man, I've chosen to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I've chosen to follow and to suffer reproach with the people of God. This is the choice I've made. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And then if someone says, rate it, rate it point one. I'm not going to follow there. I'm not saying the man isn't I'm just saying it throws red flags in my mind when a person has professed Christ, but then refuses to obey him on day one. It just it throws red flags. You wonder, did they get it? Did they really understand it? Now, real quickly here, I also want to say this before I move to my next point, because this has to be noted, that it's the first step of obedience after salvation. But Baptism has nothing to do with salvation at all. Nothing to do with salvation. The thief on the cross never got baptized. I mean, these folks that say you got to be baptized to be saved— I'm like, well, man, where'd the thief on the cross get baptized, guys? I mean, you know, I mean, God's not a respecter of persons. If one guy got in without getting baptized, then two guys can get in and I can get in. Amen. It's not for baptism. Baptism baptism's not for salvation. Baptism is after salvation. First Corinthians 1.14, there's not a clearer passage in the New Testament than 1 Corinthians 1 14. Paul, Paul is in a fatherly way, he is, he is not happy with the Corinthian church. And he's rebuking them as gently as he can, and he says in First Corinthians, "Now this is the man, brother George, this is the man who said, "I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ." I mean, this is the man that his sole purpose was to go preach the gospel. I mean he said, "I'm a debtor both to the Jew, to the barbarian, to the Greek. Man, I'm ready to preach the gospel at Rome. It's the power of God. That, I mean, if any uh, the gospel' is what saves. Am I correct? It's the gospel that saves." Baptism does not save. So in 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, this man, the Apostle Paul, is so frustrated with the church that he started, he says, I thank God that I baptized none of you. That's pretty rough. I mean, how would you like if Pastor Spencer baptized a whole bunch of you, I'm sure? How would you like if he got up here on the Sunday morning and said, I want to I wish to God I'd never baptized none of you? Amen. You're so sorry. I wished I'd baptized. I mean, that's pretty bad for Paul to be saying that to a church that he started. I thank God I baptized none of you. But that lets us know salvation is not in baptism because if it was in baptism, he'd have been saying, I thank God, man, I don't care what you do after you guys, I'm just glad I baptized you. But then he goes on, he said, For Christ sent me not to baptize. That's not my primary purpose for being here, but to preach the gospel. Amen. It's the gospel. What's the gospel? He goes on to say it in verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. It's not the baptistry. The waters of that baptistry, I think they're warm, brother Gabe. Amen. It's, we're not going to freeze getting in there tonight. I'm looking forward to getting in there. I'm looking forward to baptizing these two young ladies, but there's no saving grace. There's no saving merit in the waters of that baptistry. Salvation's in the gospel. It's in the cross of Jesus Christ. I think one of the themes of this church is we preach Christ. Amen. It's got to be Christ alone. It's not the waters of baptism, it's Christ alone. So but it's the first step of obedience to the Lord after salvation. Number two, let me give you this real quick. I promise I won't spend years long on my next three points. Here we go. Baptism is an identification with the death and the burial and the resurrection. Of Jesus Christ. And this is the main reason that we baptize by immersion. So as we get ready to baptize these two young ladies tonight, we're going to take them down into the water and under the water and bring them back up out of the water. We're going to say, I baptize you in the name of the, upon your profession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, under the water and back out of the water. Why? Because that's a picture of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ. And try as you might, you can't get that picture with sprinkling. You just can't get death and burial and resurrection with that right there, or with dabbing, or with some churches turn a baby upside down and dip their heads in the water. You don't get it that way. Amen. That's not the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Okay. Now, again, back to Romans 6, you're probably still there. I want to show you a point here in Romans 6, verses, uh, just the first several verses. He's talking about the subject, now that we're saved, can we continue in sin? Because we're saved by grace. So, man, grace covers it. We can just sin, right? And he says, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? And then he invokes baptism, but I want, I want you to watch this, because verse 3 and 4 and 5 and 6, he's going to talk about baptism, but he's talking about spiritual baptism, and I want you to get this, uh, because what we're going to do with water baptism is a picture of what already took place the moment you got saved on the inside of you. Notice, he said, know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Now notice, notice several things here. He said in verse 4, even so we also should walk in newness of life. The moment a man gets saved, he begins walking in newness of life. He has resurrection power on the inside of him. The Bible is clear in 1 Corinthians 12, for by one spirit are we all baptized. And listen to what I'm saying here. The moment I got saved, I was born by the Spirit of God into the family of God. I was baptized by the Spirit of God into the family of God, which simply means that on the inside, the moment I got I don't wait until water baptism to be identified with Christ. Water baptism is an identification. I'm going to explain it in a moment. But the moment that I got saved, the moment I got saved I became in Christ. I don't have to wait for the waters of the baptistry to get me in Christ. I'm already in Christ through the spiritual baptism that took place the moment I got saved. And so I have, the moment I got saved, I want you to just follow the, just, just follow. When I got saved spiritually, I died to James Ruckman. I was crucified with Christ. I was buried to self and to sin, into Satan. And then I was raised to, to walk in newness of life. I'm telling you, it, when, when you get saved, friend, your desires change on the inside. Everything changes. What happened? I'm telling you, I can't explain it all. Just believe it. God baptized us into his body, into his family. And that moment that we get saved, we, have, we don't have to wait for the waters of baptistry to have resurrection power to live a crucified life. We have that the moment we get saved. When we get saved, we identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. But here's the thing. The water baptism up there, though it does not, it's not the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. It is a picture of the death and burial and resurrection of Christ. It's a picture of that baptism that took place in my heart the moment I got saved. So, as we baptize then by immersion, we say it's a public identification. People can't see your heart, but God can. That moment you got saved, God knows you got saved. God saw that transaction. He saw that there was faith in your heart that believed on the name of the Son of God. And I'm telling you, as soon as that faith's in the heart, whether you ever got the prayer out of your mouth or not, faith is what seals the deal, amen. Faith is what therefore being justified. By faith, brother, we have peace with God. Whether you prayed, whether you can remember the prayer, the moment that you had faith in your heart, that you were a sinner going to hell, and that Jesus Christ was your Savior, he died, was buried, and rose again, that moment God saved you, whether you remember it or not, God saved you that moment, that very instant, thank God. But that took place internally. That was private. Nobody around you got vibes and said, I just felt, Brother John just got saved. Amen. That's something that takes, you, you may not even got vibes. Salvation is not on feelings. There are people that say, I don't know what happened to me. I was just in church. Next thing you know, I just floated down to the altar. That's, that sounds weird. You may have. I'm not denying it. Amen. I'm just telling you. That salvation is not in floating and it's not in a feeling, amen? Salvation is in the fact of what God's word says. And when by faith you believe that fact, whether you have a feeling or not, you're saved. I talked with a young man this afternoon. I said, can you take me to a time and place in your heart, because he's not where he needs to be with the Lord, where you know you called on God and you know God saved you. He said, I did, I did, and I know I'm not living like it, but I know that I called on him. I said, on the basis of God's word, if you meant business, God meant business, you're saved. You need to get right with God, Amen. I'm telling you, the moment you get saved, that transaction takes place. But now, we're following in baptism publicly, so what took place privately, we're now going to share publicly. That decision that was made privately in the corridors of my heart, I believe Christ, I'm going to be a follower of Christ, I'm going to accept Christ, I'm going to get saved, that's wonderful, that was private, you may tell others about it, but when you get baptized, you're publicly telling everybody, I want to be identified with the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm not living for myself anymore. I'm not living for this world anymore. I'm living for Jesus Christ. And you have the power to do that. Because the same power, man, this is good stuff. It ought to make a backslidden method to shout for the glory of God. Amen. You have the same power on the inside of you to live for Jesus Christ that caused Jesus to rise from the dead. It's resurrection power. If it could raise him from the dead, it can give you new life. If it didn't give you new life, you didn't get the same power that raised him from the dead. Amen. I'm telling you, all right, so here we go. It, it's, it's, it's an identification with the death and burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so much could be said there. but let me go. And this third point may seem a bit redundant, but I need to state it: public uh, or excuse me, baptism then is a public outward profession of the inward change that has taken place it's a public outward profession of the inward change that's taken place you're identifying with Christ but you're identifying publicly of that inward change and i want to say this that baptism was always meant to be public baptism's not to be hid in the corner i've talked to people that got afraid that they weren't baptized scripturally and one man tried to baptize himself in his bathtub and you can't do that. It doesn't work out, okay? Another guy, he's like, I'll just try it in a water fountain, and it didn't work for him either, amen, all right? Um, in places where people are persecuted for their faith, we may not necessarily hold up signs to the public and say, hey, there's going to be a baptismal service over here, but we baptize them publicly. We find a place to baptize them, amen? We do. We do, absolutely. Uh, baptism is a public testimony To an unsaved world. These girls, they're already saved. They're already going to heaven whether they get baptized or not. But tonight they're making it public to the world that I'm saved. I'm following Christ. I'm not following self. I'm following the Lord Jesus Christ. They want you to know that and they want the world to know that. And so they'll be baptized publicly. It's designed by God to be your first opportunity to prove that you're not ashamed of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here tonight and you've never been baptized scripturally. You can get baptized. Just, just, it's an opportunity for you to prove that you're not ashamed of Christ. Why would a person not be baptized? Why would a person who's saved not get baptized? Sometimes people say, well, I'm afraid. You know, I don't want to go out there publicly. And Can I tell you, it's your first opportunity to tell folks I'm saved. It's your first opportunity. The Bible said in Romans 10, right after it said, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved, the very next verse he said, the last part of the verse, he said, For whosoever believeth on me shall not be ashamed. When you believe on Christ, you shouldn't be ashamed of him. And baptism is, is the first place to take a stand for Jesus and say, I'm following Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed to be identified with Jesus Christ. And let me add this and his church. Amen. I'm not ashamed to be identified with him. And then let me give you this, and I'm done. Baptism then. It's not just the first step of obedience to the Lord after salvation. It's an identification with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. It's a public outward profession of the inward change that's already taken place. But then I just want to say this. It is one of two ordinances that the Lord Jesus gave to the New Testament church. He told us, Some churches, and let me just, I need to clarify this because some may have never heard this. There are some churches that will talk about the sacrament of baptism or the sacrament of the Lord's table or the sacrament of the mass or the sacrament of whatever. Many churches have all kinds of sacraments. The idea behind a sacrament, and they'll teach you, churches will teach that a sacrament has the ability to impart grace to the person that's observing that sacrament. Can I tell you, there is no saving grace imparted in baptism or in the Lord's table but that's what churches teach. They say it's a sacrament. As you partake of the Lord's table, then you are taking the sacrament of the Mass, and this will give you, it will impart to you some saving grace. So if you get this sacrament taken care of, and that one taken care of, and that one, each is another step towards that hopeful destination of heaven. That's not biblical. It sounds good. I mean, it really does, Brother Blake. It's like, that sounds good. A seven-step program to heaven. Just follow the seven sacraments. Amen. But it's not scriptural. Scripturally speaking, An ordinance is way different than a sacrament. An ordinance is a command. And God gave his church two commands in this regard that are to be observed, baptism and the Lord's table. And you see that in Matthew 28. You see that in Acts. And then the Lord's table, obviously, we see that. We don't have the time. But in Luke 22, Jesus said, this do ye in remembrance of me. In 1 Corinthians 11, 23-32, this do ye in remembrance of me. That's an ordinance. That's something he's given to the church to do. And that's important to understand. It's one of our Baptist distinctives. I'll just say that. It's two ordinances Uh, baptism by immersion and the Lord's table. So so there it is, the doctrine of baptism, kind of in a nutshell, a lot more we could say, but trying to keep it as basic as I can. So let me ask you these questions, and then Brother Ken's going to come in just a moment, and he's going to do the invitation tonight. But let me ask you three questions. While your heads are not bowed and your eyes are not closed, let me ask you three questions tonight. Are you saved? Have you been scripturally saved? Are you trying to Take sacraments or do good works or be a part of this Baptist church to get to heaven. If so, there's a way that seemeth right to a man, but at the end there are the ways of death. It won't get you there. You've got to get saved. You've got to go uh, through, through the cross of Christ and the Christ of the cross. Number two, have you been baptized scripturally? If you've never been baptized scripturally by immersion into the membership of a local New Testament Bible-preaching church, you need to get that taken care of. And I know a church where you can get that taken care of real soon. Amen. Number three, are you a member of this church or another church of like precious faith? Amen. Are you a member? If you're not a member of a New Testament church, you say, man, I've been, I've been coming to the church. I've been coming to Eastside, and I really like this church, and I'm just going to keep coming, but I'm just not going to join. Can I just ask a question? Why not? You know, I've always wondered about these 10, 15, 20-year romances that go on. You know, this guy, he's looking at this girl, this girl's looking at the guy, and they just, they like to be together, and they like to be around each other, and they like to go on dates together, and they like, but they just don't ever want to commit. Can I tell you, when you join the church, you're committing, and I'm afraid the reason a lot of people don't join churches is because they don't want to commit. Can I tell you, as far as God's concerned, it's not an option. God said, I want you to get saved. It, I mean, it is an option. You don't have to, But God doesn't want it to be an option. He wants you to get saved, He wants you to get baptized, and He wants you to join the church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.